Good to see you guys this morning, and my name is John Lincoln. I'm the Director of Family Ministries here at Rock Harbor, and we're going to be uh, jumping back into the first, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians today, and Travis uh, opened up the topic of spiritual gifts within the church, and spiritual gifts are, are gifts that God has given us to bring Him glory, and gifts that God has given to us to unify the church, and also for the spread of the gospel. And so, very exciting. God has given each and every one of us a very unique di- design for a specific purpose uh, for the spread of the gospel. And so, um, we're going to be jumping right back into the passage. If you have your Bibles, you could open up to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, verse 12, or you could just go ahead and follow along on the screen. Uh, but we start off with uh, verse 12 stating that for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And so we could see from this passage that the church was never meant to be about one person or never meant to be about a group of people. The church was meant to be about many members consisting of many people into one body, into one one church. And so uh, we can see that Paul was very adamant that this point was made because he said it, he says it twice within this short passage. And then he also says it almost verbatim. In Romans 12.5, basically saying that this is important to understand. And why is he asking us this question or why has this question come up? Uh, just because we could see once again we sound like a broken record, but the, the church of Corinth was actually in disarray when it came to this topic of spiritual gifts. There was individuals that maybe had been gifted with specific things, but what was happening, it was uh, creating a lot of disunity within the church. Individuals saying like, hey, I've got this over here, and you've got that over there, and uh, just a lot of discontentedness discontentedness that was taking place. And so uh, we could see that this was impeding the purpose of the church and also impeding uh, the spread of the gospel. And so uh, the church is actually designed, as we said, to be uh, of many members contributing and really kind of allowing their spiritual gifts uh, to be used within the church. The church should be a place where spiritual gifts are on full display to glorify God and, and to glorify God and direct people to him. And since everyone has been given a spiritual gift, then these spiritual gifts should be something, if they're on full display, the church should look like and feel like uh, somewhere different than any other place that you are. Uh, Meaning that most of us have this inherent good within us that we want to help and serve individuals. Um, not all of us. Some of you, you know, might be that guy that makes the ESPN not so top 10, you know, that, that you're at a baseball game, right? And there's this little kid that it's he or she's first baseball game and this ball's coming and they got their mid out and then the guy just kind of swoops in and snatches it, right? And, and then he absolutely shows no remorse for what he just did because they, they, they zoom in on him a little bit later and he's just basically, you know, stoic and like I got my ball and I took it from a little kid. Hopefully none of you guys are that guy here in this church. But just to say that most of us have this goodness that we want to be able to help and serve people. But when you combine that with the realization of what God has done in our lives through giving us the greatest gift of Jesus Christ, then the church should actually be a place where people are just flat out excited to be here. And we hear that so much here at Rock Harbor, and we're so excited as a staff when we get to hear that. You know, I, I came to Rock Harbor, 
And I was looking for something. I, I wasn't sure what, but, but I found it. I, I came to Rock Harbor, and it just felt like home. I, I came to Rock Harbor, and I just felt that there was something special going on here that I wanted to be a part of it. And so we love it. We just love it so much when we hear that. And so, but again, this wasn't the case in the church of Corinth. There was a lot of haves and have-nots, uh, people grumbling and complaining, and it was just creating a great deal of disunity within the church. And so um, on this topic of spiritual gifts, and, and Travis talked a little bit about it last week, but he also opened up the door as far as a, a couple of specific spiritual gifts. And that's where we're going to take a little break from the passage, and we're going to talk a little bit about these specific spiritual gifts. And they would be, as many refer to as uh, miraculous gifts, experiential gifts or, or sign gifts. And they, they would be, uh, again, referring to the gift of tongues and prophecy and, and healings. And if you haven't been paying attention yet this morning, I probably got some of your uh, attention. Uh, but first of all, as we look to God's word with everything, we want to make it clear that everything that we preach and go through is according to God's word here at Rock Harbor. We believe it to be infallible, meaning that it is incapable of being wrong, meaning that we don't derive thoughts uh, as far as, you know, what the world thinks or what we grew up with uh, or what society is at. We, we really want to always go back to what God's Word has to say. And that should be the same for each and every one of us. So oftentimes we have these premises, maybe where our moral compass lies, but we always need to go back to God's Word and really kind of do the, the digging and the legwork that it takes when we do come, on, uh, come upon some passages that may be open to interpretation, that we really kind of look at many verses to speak into one versus one verse to speak into many. And so that's very important that that's really where we want our directives to go uh, when we're um, you know, preaching through uh, God's Word. And so I would imagine on this topic that there's many in this room that come from varying backgrounds. For example, Rock Harbor is a non-denominational church. And so since it's a non-denominational church, there's probably some individuals that grew up in a, in a certain type of setting. There's probably some individuals that, um, you know, I used to be part of this church, even maybe even before you came to Rock Harbor, but, you know, for whatever reasons, uh, God, through his providential hand, has brought you here. And you might maybe propose the question of, I wonder where the church stands on some of these uh, spiritual gifts, specifically the experiential ones. And so I just want to say, and we just want to say that we just love it that you're all here. And Rock Harbor has always been what we're for and not for what we're against. And we just want to make sure that you you feel welcome, you feel like this is a place where you could draw closer to each other and draw closer uh, to Christ. And so, but even with that being said, we do want to establish maybe some different ends of the spectrum. So maybe we could better relate to one another, and, and that would also increase the unity that we have with one another. Because again, the spiritual gifts are not only meant to glorify God, but they're also to unify the church for the spread of the gospel. And so maybe some of you may relate to one end of the spectrum, and this end of the spectrum may uh, be that you believe that these specific gifts of tongues, prophecies, and, and healings have ceased to exist. And that would be uh, referred to as a cessationist or cessationism, meaning that, uh, that these gifts were present for a specific time and a specific age. Many would say um, it was for the apostolic age, meaning that when the apostles, those who walked or were with Christ, when they ceased to exist, 
that these gifts also ceased to exist, that it was for the spread of the gospel, or maybe that the canonization of God's word after the Bible was canonized, that now we have God's word, so we don't need these uh, gifts to be flourishing. And that would be one end of the spectrum. And they would say, they would use the verse 1 Corinthians thirteen eight as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And, and they would say that there's another line in that verse that says, when the perfect comes, meaning that when Jesus appears a second time, that's when these gifts will again reveal themselves. But for now, they have ceased to exist. And so that would be one end of the spectrum, and that would be a spectrum where we necessarily aren't going to find ourselves at, at Rock Harbor. However, if you feel like this is where you're at, we're Just happy and excited that you're here. Now, we could also talk about another end of the spectrum. Uh, We could talk about a a charismatic stance, and and that would be speaking into um, some specific aspects of charismata, meaning um, multiple gifts, multiple spiritual gifts. The word charisma comes from that. And so that's saying that maybe even despite that you feel that some of these gifts are still in existence, that you would actually... Some would take it another level and say, in order to be, in order to have your uh, spirituality validated, you would have to speak in tongues. Or to say that in actual, you, in order for you to show that you've been saved, you would have to speak in tongues. Or maybe a new prophecy is equivalent or trumps scripture as far as where that lands. So that would definitely not be an area where Rock Harbor presides as well. But once again, regardless of where you're at on that end of the spectrum, we feel here at Rock Harbor that we really want to dial in and focus on specific things. And that would consist of the preaching of God's word, and that would consist of worship and evangelism and loving and leading one another to become devoted followers of Jesus. So regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time uh, as far as talking about if these gifts are very prevalent or to what extent or to how they're to be used in the church. We feel that Sunday morning services, those are kind of some of the pillars that what Sunday morning is going to look like as a church. And we would uh, look to the verse that says, 1 Corinthians 14, 19, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words spoken with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words uh, spoken in a tongue. But again, we just love it that you're here, and we want to make sure that we are dialed in and put our emphasis and focus on specific things for Sunday morning uh, services. And so, all that to say is uh, there is differences between what we would call doctrines and distinctives. And we would look at uh, doctrine, meaning uh, things that uh, are, are for teaching, instruction, explanation, the core foundations of what we believe as a church that we hold fast to, that, that we don't have uh, uh, open hand to. Uh, you know, with distinctives, there's open-handedness to some distinctives, such as these gifts that we were just talking about, because we definitely don't want it to be a situation where some of these gifts uh, cause disunity or uh, don't allow the church to be unified in one accord. And so, uh, but like doctrines, these are things that we hold fast to. For example, some orthodox Christian doctrines would, would consist of, you know, we believe in one true God. We believe in the Trinity, that one true God consists of three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy Ghost. We believe that Jesus, he, he walked and he became a man and walked with us, and he was crucified. 
He was crucified and he rose again on the third day. We believe that our standing before an almighty perfect God is that we are sinners in need of grace. And and that God has given us his son the greatest gift that we are to put our faith and trust in him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes through the Father without having a relationship with Jesus. And those are the things that we, we hold fast to. We believe that there is a heaven and a hell. And we believe that Jesus is going to come back a second time and he is going to reign for all of eternity over a new heaven and a new earth. But all that to say is that would kind of be some Christian doctrines that we would hold fast to. But as far as distinctives are concerned, we just love it that everyone has found Rock Harbor a place where they could say, this is where God is working, this is where I could draw closer to Jesus, and this is where we could see the gospel spread. And so you're probably like, wow, that was a lot of information I didn't necessarily need, but um, we just thought it was good to just kind of throw that out there. If you have any questions about that, I'm going to be in like my getaway car in between services, so uh, good luck, good luck finding me. So, so back to the passage that we are, are looking at to First uh, Corinthians 12. And we could see that, again, there was some disunity, disunity in, in the church. And that disunity was being created uh, because people weren't working, in, working together in one accord uh, as many members of one church. And what was happening is, is that uh, God has designed his church to be working as an organism, not an organization of many parts. Like, for example, an organism is consisting of one body. Just, who's going to be watching football today? Anybody? Woo! Yeah. And I'm going to be watching the Bears, and, but the outcome's probably not going to be good. I know. You know, all you Packer fans out there. But uh, just, that, just to say that we're probably going to be watching some football today, and there's going to come a time where you're chilling on the couch, unless you're just like, some, you know, one of those type of football fans. But, you know, I, when I watch football, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm like trying to stay awake at some points. But you're going to be saying, hey, I want to get something to drink, and, but I'm really tired. I'm chilling on the couch. And you might look at your hand and, you, and say to your hand, hand, go ahead and get me a... Beverage of choice, right? Beverage of choice out of the the fridge. And uh, your hand isn't going anywhere because your whole body has to move as one unit. And don't ask your wife to go get you a beer or anything like that too because you're not going to be watching much more football if you do that, okay? So, you know, we we can't just expect a part of our body to move without the whole body uh, moving uh, together. And so that's kind of where we're at with this. And it says in verse 15, it says, If the foot should say... Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And so what it's speaking to in this, that there's individuals that were placing themselves on a plateau or a level of superiority and self-sufficiency. And then there's other individuals that were saying, I don't really have anything of worth to give, to offer. And they were dealing with a sense of uselessness or inferiority. And so God is speaking, and Paul is speaking into this, that this isn't where God wants us to be on any end of the spectrum. He doesn't, he's not impressed with the glitz and glam of our spiritual gifts or talents or abilities. But he also doesn't want us to be at a place where we have a 
woe is me attitude when it comes to these spiritual gifts. And, and so first he addresses this feeling of uselessness maybe in your spiritual gifts. He says, uh, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And so so many of us are at positions in life, and it just depends, maybe not even within a church, but just life in general, that we might, we might say to ourselves, well, there's been a lot of circumstances that have taken place, and maybe at one time I, I held a position or a title or was involved with something, and you might say, well, I no longer have that, and so I'm going to disconnect myself and, and not be a part of the body because Maybe what is being offered to fulfill that isn't where I necessarily want to be. And to speak into that, we've all been there. We've all been through seasons of life where it's maybe it's because of a move or maybe it's because, you know, just God closed some doors and opened some doors. Any of those things to say that, you know, God has you exactly where he wants you. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know if we're in a specific season of life because God is going to reveal something to us later. And that doesn't just go for within the church. That just goes for life in general. God is still speaking and working and moving through you even in those desert seasons, even in those seasons where you feel like you don't hear or feel his voice, even during those seasons when you're just asking yourself those questions. He's still working through the pain. He still has purposes through those seasons. And so, or, or maybe, you know, you've heard of that uh, statement, you know, don't place a period where God has placed a comma. And so that's just to say, we don't need to get down and despondent if we're not where God, where we would like to be at. We, we have to trust and believe that God has purposes in everything that he's doing in our life. And then, or maybe it's a situation where you really actually do feel like, I don't have anything uh, of worth to offer. And, and that would just, the response to that would be, we are all, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created you before he created you. And he is wanting to use you and your gifts and your talents and your spirituality to just bless others and, and glorify him. He actually rejoices in your insignificance. We, we find that time and time throughout the Bible. He loves doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. And God isn't impressed with the hype. He's impressed with the heart. The Bible is full of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. All we have to do is look to the varying examples that we see in God's Word. Like, David, he, he was a young, young man when he slayed Goliath. And, and Samuel and uh, Josiah were, were boys when God placed their, his hand on their lives. And we could see the young boy who, who fed the 5,000 uh, through Jesus. He was part of one of the greatest miracles in, in the Bible. Or, or we could look to Jesus himself who was born in a feeding trough. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, uh, to even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. Regardless if you feel like you're a hand, if you feel like you're a foot, if you feel like you're an elbow or pinky toe, 
You still need to be connected to the body. It says, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Or it says, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And that is not where God would have you to be. Because if you're not connected, what's going to happen is you're eventually going to weaken. You're eventually going to atrophy. And just as you can't separate a part of the body from a living organism, what's eventually going to happen? It's going to atrophy and, and weaken and cease to become a functioning unit of the body. And then when that happens, ultimately the whole body becomes crippled and isn't functioning and moving and, and working as God would have it to be because it's not unified in one accord. The body of the church needs each and every member, and the body uh, and each and every member needs the church. And so on the flip side, we could also see that Paul is speaking to a different end of the spectrum. Maybe that end of the spectrum that is having that. Uh, sense of superiority or self-sufficiency, meaning that I'm needed and, you know, I'm, I'm a brain, I'm a heart, I'm a hand, and you over there, you're kind of like an elbow or something like that. And, you know, because of that, we're kind of on a, a different playing field. And, and that's not a good place to be either. And, you know, there may have been some individuals within the church that were saying, you know, I'm doing this, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons, seeking out the approval of man and not God, seeking to make a name or establish the position for themselves. And God is very clear. He speaks to that time and time again on both ends of these spectrums. Is the, the root and the origin of it is pride. And he speaks in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, Therefore, if anyone thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. In Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride be- goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble. Uh, we definitely don't want to be in a situation where God is opposing us, right? I just remember a story, um, well, not a story, a guy I had in community group, and he was, uh, you know, I heard he played some tennis, and um, it turns out, you know, about six months later, we're playing some table tennis, and he is just schooling everybody. Like, it's not even funny. It's like, you know, 11 nothing, and before they even got started. And, and I was like, man, how, how much... Like tennis, I know it's different, you know, and he's beating me, and that's kind of weird because I'm Korean and I'm supposed to be good at table tennis. But, um, <laughs> you know, so anyhow, he's just like taking it to everybody. I'm like, how much tennis did you actually play? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I was actually state champ. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, he just, I've known him for like six, eight months, and he never expressed how good he actually was at tennis. Well, let me tell you, just something like that and somebody like that, humbleness is always attractive. Correct? I mean, like, people are just drawn to someone that is, doesn't make much of themselves. And so all these gifts and all these uh, foundations that Paul is talking about, it's basically telling us how we're to be as a church. However, none of this really matters if we aren't in the game, if we aren't actually taking those steps Forward because it can be very difficult sometimes. You know, we have to put our faith and trust in, in, in the Lord, and that's not an easy place to be to let go of that control and just to say, Lord, whatever it is you have, I'm going to be obedient and answer your call. And that's difficult sometimes. But, you know, Jesus tells a parable in the book of Matthew that many of us are familiar with, and uh, it's called the parable of the talents. And the parable of the talents consists of a master who had a lot of stuff, okay? Property, call it what you will, money. And the master decided for a time, for a season, I'm going to go away. 
And what I'm going to do is I'm going to charge three of my servants to oversee this. And a talent consists of the equivalent of 20 years wages. And so he brought these three servants in and he said to the first servant, he said, I'm going to give you five talents. And he gave the first servant five talents. And then the second servant he brought in, he said, I'm going to give you two talents. And to the third servant, he gave the least amount. And he said, you are going to be over one talent. And, you know, this could be consisting of money, property, just an oversight of everything that the master had. And so he went away and he came back and he called these three servants in. And he said, what have you done with what I have given you? What have you done with the gifts that I blessed you with? And the first servant came in and he said, Master, I knew there was something that was required of me. So I took those five talents and I reproduced those five talents. And guess what? Now there are ten talents. And the master was very pleased. He said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful over a little, I will put you over much. And he said, Enter into the joy of your master. And to the second servant, he called him in, and he asked the same thing. He had been given two talents. What have you done with these talents that I have given you? And he said, Master, I wanted to make sure I did what I was supposed to do with it. And so what I did, I reproduced your two talents into two more talents. Now you have four talents. Again, the master was pleased, and he had the same response. He said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful over a little, I will put you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And this third servant came. And the master asked him the same question he asked the other two. What have you done with the one talent that I have given you? And the servant said, Master, I knew you to be a harsh man. And I took that talent and I I hid it. I buried it. I wanted to keep it safe. I wanted to make sure that nothing would, you know, take it and put it in a bad situation, so I protected it. And so the master was very displeased. He, was, he admonished the servant, and he said, You wicked and slothful servant, you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. And so oftentimes, we get ourselves into a position where we say, we've been given so much, and much is given, much is required. We've been given so much, but oftentimes, we just want to keep it protected. And we're not really recognizing and know, knowing the Almighty God that we serve, that He's going to take you through seasons that might not look exactly how you planned, but He's going to take you through those seasons according to His purposes. And that's a tough place to find ourselves in. That's a tough place to step into. But all that to say is, is don't bury the spiritual gifts that you've been given. And it's not only the spiritual gifts that we've talked about here in 1 Corinthians. It's not only the spiritual gifts that exist in Romans 12 and uh, Ephesians and 1 Peter. God has given each and every one of us a spiritual gift, but he's also given us amazing gifts natural abilities and talents. He's giving, given you experiences and uh, through seasons of life that you're able to take and, and share with others. Maybe it's your vocation or maybe uh, what you've been through. And God is calling each and every one of us not to bury our gift. God is calling each and every one of us to use these gifts 
for the glory of God so that the church consisting of many members can be one body. And that's where God is calling each and every one of us to be. Now, we are all familiar with the various needs of the church, you know, the service opportunities. We see it and go through it every week on our communications card. We have so many areas where you could jump in and serve and be part of this living organism, this body that God calls his church. And so, but we're doing something really special here in October. We're launching what's called a venue at the hub. And we're doing that to create one more space, one more, uh, for one more family or one more person that they could come and come into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. We're really excited to do that, but you know what? There's going to be some tough seasons with that because many people are going over there and we, you know, if God is calling you to do that, you step into that and you go and you, you uh, be part of that. But also there's going to be a lot of areas here where there's going to be some individuals that God is calling each and every one of you to backfill to say that these are going to be some opportunities for you to step in, for you to be able to use the spiritual gifts and talents and, you know, all of those things that God has given you to his glory. And we're just so excited to be able to do this, and we're so excited to see what God has for us during this next season. But don't bury what God has given you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life with a laundry list of would-haves, should-haves, and could have. I want to be found faithful for what God has given me. I want to be able to say that I've fought the good fight, that I've finished the race, that I kept the faith. You know, God isn't calling any of us to just come here and spend an hour at Rock Harbor to fill a seat and then go home and not do anything with the gifts that he's given us. He's calling each and every one of us to be faithful for what we've been given. You know, God doesn't call and look at discipleship to be done by a few individuals that maybe have a title or a position. God doesn't call discipleship to be done by seasoned Christian veterans. If that's the case, then every single one of us gets a free pass when Jesus calls us to lose your life. Matthew says, 1625, Jesus states, forever would say for whoever would save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Don't hold back. The brevity of life just comes careening through like a locomotive that doesn't stop. So many of us in this room are looking back on a decade stacked upon a decade and we're actually realizing that this life is short. It's but a vapor that before you know, we're going to be face to face with Jesus. And we want to be found faithful for what God has given us. I don't want to be able to get to the end of my life and have all this left on the table still. I want to be able to say, you know, I, I love the Lord. I, I, I feared the Lord. I love my wife sacrificially. I, I, I love my kids. I directed them to Christ at every opportunity that I got. No, was I perfect? Absolutely not, but I tried my best. I want to be able to be part of a church community that is growing in, into relationship with Jesus. I want to be a part of a church where heaven and hell collide. That what happens here on Sundays and through the week actually matters for all of eternity. That individuals are brought from death to life, from darkness to light. 
and, and to be part of a church that is in the front lines of the battle. Don't you want that? I want that. Six months ago, we got a call from a very dear family at this church. And it's the call you never want to hear, you never want to be a part of. And she's basically saying, my husband went in for what we thought was a stomach ulcer. And it turned out to be colon cancer. Well, this Friday night, this individual went on to be with the Lord. And that man was man that, a man that fulfilled all of those things in life. He was found faithful for whatever God had given him. And I want to I be like that person. I want to be like that person. I guarantee one of the first words that Jesus said to him when he saw him in heaven. He's in heaven right now. He's with Jesus. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful over a little, I will put you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And that day is going to come for each and every one of us in this room, whether we like it or not. That's one thing that's guaranteed in life, and that's death. And still, even with all of these gifts that we've been given, there still remains one gift greater than all of these. There still remains one gift that all of these gifts need to be filtered through. There still remains one gift that answers the why of all of these other gifts. There still remains one gift that quells all the controversy that on some of the topics that we talked about earlier, there's one gift that is still more excellent than all of these. And Paul concludes by saying, and I will show you still a more excellent way. But for this gift, you're just going to have to come back next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and God, just that you speak through your word. And God, we just pray that Rock Harbor is a place and continues to be a place where you reign supreme. And God, that we think little of ourselves and we make much of you. God, that uh, we would be a church that is known for what we are for and not what we are against. That there should be a unity and that there will be a unity that supersedes everything. And God, that there would just be some amazing things that take place here at Rock Harbor to your glory and to your glory alone. Amen.